welcome to the Bromley Adult Education College Digital Drop-In Podcast, getting you back to work with confidence. Hello, I'm Jill Collier and welcome to episode 26 of the Digital Drop-In Podcast. Today I'm joined by Michaela Channing. Michaela works in TV and is very successful in her field in Australia and I just want to find out a little bit more about it as to how you get into the sort of industry that she's in and um, what training you need and how it all works. So hello Michaela. Hello Jilly, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Very good. How are you finding the UK? Really, I love the UK, although I am very cold as you know. (laughs) The temperature is dropping rapidly, um, but I got myself a big coat so I'm happy. Good. So, um, what exactly do you do in TV? What, what is your niche or? Mm. So what I currently now do in television is I work as a floor manager and a producer and I mainly work in sport. That is my passion um, and that's what I focus on now. And to somebody like me, what is a floor manager? I, I don't know what you do. What does that mean? So as a floor manager, depending on what sport it is, uh, you will sit on the boundary and you'll work with uh, the production team or the broadcaster and facilitate the product that goes to air that you watch on television at home. So you'll work with um, the commentators, you know, the, the boundary rider, uh, you'll work with both the teams um, and the league to execute the product. So building those relationships with the team and um, interviewing players, um, pre-game, half-time, full-time, to tell the story of the day. So whomever is versing who, and um, yeah, bringing it to everyone's televisions at home. So you call it the product. The product is the game, the match, or the the broadcast. The broadcast, okay, so the product is the broadcast. Yes. And that is what you're paid to Facilitate. Yeah, to facilitate yes. to the highest possible standard yes. with all the relevance that's going on at that moment. So you have to really think on your feet, I'm assuming. You do. You have to be a very good problem solver. Uh, you always, front of mind, you know, is the people that you're working with and who is around you and your crew. But um, how do we all work together to make sure that we can execute the product that we want to put to air? So that's, that's mainly the focus. Right. <laughs> it sounds daunting to me as you know, never having worked in that field. Where does this all begin, Michaela? When you are at school or college or university, do you think I want to work in TV or is it I know I want to be a floor manager and I don't care what it's in? Where, where does this thought process start way back when? I think it's different for everyone who works in television. For me, I've always had a love for film and TV and I basically just started with that in mind. So I went to um, TAFE in Australia, that's um, where you can get your diploma or a certificate. Um, So I went there to start with um, studying film and TV. And from there, 
I, I thought I wanted to do film, but very quickly fell in love with television. And I think I liked the, you know, the high paced environment and the, you know, thinking on your feet. I really and liked it's that. Live element. as opposed to having exactly. to take lots of takes. Exactly. It just has to go right that day, doesn't it, it? It does. And if it doesn't, how do you fix it? And there were little elements like that that came forward to me that I thought, oh, I think television's actually where I want to be. So you know, from that, then you move into getting your diploma in TV um, and you have the opportunity to work on lots of live broadcasts. And then I sort of fell into sport when I was about, you know, 17 years old, which is probably irrelevant, but, you know, it's about 13 years ago now. And for me throughout my whole career, like just to, because I don't want to bore everyone, <laughs> you realize like what little areas of television you find fascinating. Some people will go into TV and think that they want to work, um, you know, maybe in the corporate side or they want to do studio, um, studio based products or sport or whatever it is. But it's, it's little baby steps of learning about the industry where you find where you actually want to go. And it's taken me a long time to realize that. It's actually sport that I want to work in. But I mean, I, I guess like any job, you don't always have the luxury at day one of saying, well, I want to work on live sports broadcasts. You have to take what you can take and presumably, exactly. I think I'm right in saying that you've, you've worked in other areas yes. to get to this point. You just have to take that first job must be like, you know, gold dust to you to actually work on a production team. Doing totally. Anything? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And I, I mean, I love all areas really of television and I started in news because that was the first opportunity that presented itself to me. Um, for me, sport was just always trickling away for me throughout the 13 years. But, you know, I've worked in news. I moved into lifestyle programming where I was a series producer and I traveled the world doing that. Wow. But every time I'd be back home, I'd always do, you know, a sporting match or, you know, something, you know, it would mm. sort of always be there trickling along. So it wasn't until maybe about four years ago that I really was, I really thought, no, it's sport that I want to focus on. So it's taken me a long time to get there. You know, I was you know, making, you know, cooking shows and um, travel shows. And it was still in the back of my mind that that was something I was interested in doing. But I was able to tick the box of being a series producer traveling around, you know, so I've been able to hit little milestones that I thought, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to be a series producer. Yes, I want to be a supervising producer or, you know, whatever it is. But then you kind of realize, you know, it, it did take me, you know, eight years to go, actually, no, it's sport that I want to do. So who knows what's next? Yeah, <laughs> well, I think... I always say to people where you start to where you finish and I'm not you know you've got many years ahead but life takes twists and turns that you could never really predict when you're doing your diploma and thinking oh it's not film it's TV I want to do yeah. even you know 10 20 30 years on you can never actually predict where that is going to take you no and isn't it lovely that we have these feelings in our heart that we can't necessarily explain that is something is saying to you yeah i want to and you have successfully done it get into sport but as you say along the way and you must get different um kind of experiences because if you were do, traveling around the world, which I think many people would be very interested in, and um, I think I would love to travel around the world, you know, producing programs um, rather than live live TV. I think, you know, the adrenaline yeah. of it must be amazing, but the anxiety must be, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, when you were producing, as you say, cooking shows or travel shows, 
that's actually not live, is it? That's just TV. Yeah, no, so that was a, that we all, yeah, it's a recorded product that we turn around to post and then um, cut together an episode and send it to the network. So it's a completely different process there, not similar in any way. If anything went wrong, could you re-record in those? Most, mostly, yes. There would be some cases where we'd do a live um, cooking event with, um, there's, a, there's a famous chef in Australia called Matt Moran, and we would do a live demonstration and those times, if one of our cameras haven't picked up the close-up shot, we are that I have to find another cut point or have to write in a voiceover or interview him and cut that in. You have to, all of it really consistently throughout TV is you have to be a very good problem solver and communication is key. So um, if something goes wrong, <laughs> you need to communicate it immediately to fix it and rectify it as fast as possible. Um, bad news needs to travel fast is always what I think. Right. So. I'm guessing, are you self-employed and you take projects on or are you employed by a network? How does it work? So I now am a contractor and I am um, yeah, hired by different um, facilitators or um, broadcasters to come and fulfill a role for them or fulfill a project for them. So sometimes that could mean that I'm on a project for like the World Cup in Australia this year. I was hired um, by a UK company to work for them for six weeks on their product. Um, in other cases, I might just be booked for, um, if it's test cricket, for example, five days. I go in for five days and I execute the product and I leave. Or in um, some cases, you have one football match and you go in and you do that one day for them and you walk away. So when you're working for so many different broadcasters and facilitators, you do, you know, you do have to be... Um, very professional about the way you operate and very discreet about what you hear and what you kind of say in those environments as well, I think. So you must have to have quite a few plates spinning then because you're effectively working for um, a lot of different people, would yes. that be right? Different networks or companies, different companies? And yeah, exactly, yes. So I'm assuming in something like this, you've got to, right from the get-go, really start building up contacts in different different companies or different well I actually think it's about relationships right. so you'll work with um, you know a different maybe director or producer and you'll build a great relationship with that person and they'll move on to another project and they'll go actually I could really use a floor manager who should I get oh I liked working with Michaela or with Steve or whomever yes. it is and then they'll pass your name on to the broadcaster or the facilitator, whoever's booking you, and you'll get a call from them. They'll say, hey, such and such said, we'd love you to work on the football, you know? Right. <laughs> so then you, that's, it's all word of mouth, I think, really, um, in a lot of cases in TV. So relationship building is key. I'm sure you're right. I think, you know, you've got, it's not exactly people look on your LinkedIn profile. No. Where do we need a floor manager? They don't. Let's go to LinkedIn. Yes. It's going to, it, there's a huge element of trust, isn't there? And you've yeah. got to trust the people that you're working with. So Absolutely. if they like you. So that, to an extent, must take a number of years or a, a period mm. of time to build up knowing enough people in the industry. Absolutely. It takes a long time. You can't, I think a lot of people come into the industry and they're, you know, very passionate and very ready to take on all the big jobs. But there's actually a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of waiting of <laughs> like, yes. okay, well, when is it actually going to happen? When am I going to get the call? Will I get that job? And, and most of the time you won't. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you have to stay positive and positive is probably maybe not the right word for some people, but you know, 
if you're passionate about it and you really want it, you stick at it, you know? Um, And a lot of people get disheartened because they lost a job. I think sometimes no is just as good as a yes, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because it opens up another door, you know? I mean, certainly I know a lot of people in the acting world and yeah, it's a numbers game in acting. You know, you go yeah. for so many kind of auditions knowing that you're never going to get them all. You've just got to have the kind of the pipeline open. Yeah. And I think with you, not that you're doing that, but an element of rejection. I guess you've got to have a tough skin, haven't you? You do have to have, yeah, you do have to have tough skin. But I think also like acting, if somebody doesn't book you for a job, I almost think you can't take it too personally because like acting you just maybe didn't didn't fit that role you know so you just have to go it just wasn't for me you know and um it actually just makes that when you do get that 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 next job or you do get that call the next week and you do get on a big project you go oh thank god i didn't get that job you know so you can find yeah, that would have conflicted yeah, and i've conflicted. now got a six week booking <laughs> as opposed to a six day booking yeah. or something but i think it can be very disheartening for some people because it, they do see it as rejection but um, you know, I think you just have to you you have to just move on quickly. If you sit on it and you are disheartened and sad and you let it get you down, it it takes away from the next job and the next opportunity. So, would you say you spend an amount of time, if you like, unemployed or unbooked, but you feel confident enough that you know enough people that enough work's going to come in to pay the bills? Or I think every one of us operates very differently. Some people are fine to just not work for six weeks, whereas I work in multiple different roles in TV, so I try to stay consistently busy. That's always my aim. You know, you wanna be doing at least a couple jobs a week, you know? Uh, And I've been very fortunate in Australia where I've I'm actually too busy, you know, so I'm very thankful for that. But you work really hard to make sure that that's, you know, if that's how you want to operate, then you work towards building a lot of connections and working in a lot of different areas because you, you know, you need to save, you know, money and build a life and a future. And some people are fine just, you know, they just want to do that one to two jobs a month and that's fine for them. But yeah, no, I've been very fortunate that that hasn't been the case for me. So with your connections, I mean, I'm just thinking of it from a, um, a business standpoint. With your connections, do you kind of, is it always sort of buzzing around in your head? You know, I haven't heard from so-and-so for a while. I'll just drop them a, a message and keep in their vision or does that not have to happen? You, you kind of know enough people that you know they will contact you if you're needed. Yeah, I think it's changed over the years. I think when I first started, yeah, you'd pick up the phone a lot, you know, like, mm. oh, maybe I should just touch base with that director and see how they're going for the cricket season coming up. Or, mm. you know, you would probably be um, chasing a lot more, but I feel like you get do get to a point in TV where people are calling you and it just is word of mouth and it builds and it builds, you know. Um, and I've gotten to a really good place with that but it's taken a lot of time yeah. and you have to be pretty tenacious <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure and proactive yeah and did things like were you working in sport in the pandemic for example or were you working in tv so I was actually doing lifestyle programming so the COVID I think for a lot of people it did pivot their you know career paths and their whole lives right so mm. when I just before COVID I was traveling for about eight months doing lifestyle tv around the world and about a week before COVID hit, I signed a full-time contract to make, you know, to travel internationally and continue making these programs. And then COVID hit. So I probably, it all happened, um, I got through COVID really well because I did sign that full-time contract and I was just making, you know, 
programming for Australia, um, you know, little travel shows within Western Australia and cooking shows within WA as well. So um, so they could still be filmed and go ahead. Yeah, we then. were fine because yes. of the way our government, you know, our state government had operated, um, you know, to keep, you know, shut all the borders and yes. things like that. So I wasn't actually doing sport at that time, so it was perfection. So I still had income coming in and I was very much thinking that the series producer, um, executive producer role was probably what I was going to focus on solely. And it wasn't until the end of COVID um, that uh, we actually had the AFL, so Aussie Rules Grand Final in WA because they couldn't play in Melbourne due to the restrictions. And that's when I got booked on that um, to floor manage on it. And that was when it all turned for me. And I was like, no, I have to do this full time. This is this is what my what my sole focus to be is wow. is on sport. So um, I was just very fortunate that yeah, during during COVID, I was <laughs> making lifestyle programming. Yes. Um, so I wasn't relying on sport, whereas a Which, lot of people yeah. struggled. Because I was going to say, were. presumably, sport even in Australia came to a stop. It did, did. It to a standstill. They yes. were in hubs, um, and the crew that were working on it, you know, the, <laughs> there were heavy restrictions. You were also hubbed with the teams, uh, so it all came. It was all perfect timing, really. Yes. Yeah. So that was almost. Um, a kind of a beautiful accident then really yeah. because because of covid a, a particular game wasn't played where it should have been it was where you were yes you got booked to do it yes and that sort of turned your life around and it you did. thought i have to be doing this yeah so you <laughs> went from kind of if you like the security of lifestyle tv where i mean i know as you say it's problem solving but in some instances it was a little bit safer, if yes. that's the right word. Yeah. But then suddenly going to live TV, there is no second chance, is there? Absolutely, no. No, and that's what I love about it. Yeah. You have to be bang on every time, you know? So, um, so yeah. every time you attend a match or a game, whatever they're called, for the, the type of sport, is it like an adrenaline rush or do you feel anxious beforehand? What, what's going through your mind now I just thoroughly enjoy it. I, I probably when I first started, when I was much younger, like really starting like floor managing when I was 19, 20, yeah, I probably was a little nervous. Now, no, I just feel really comfortable. Yeah. I feel it's it, like I'm in my right place. Well, <laughs> I'm good. Working with, you know, fabulous people. I'm getting to meet new people. I feel really excited to go to work. I've, I get a buzz and it wouldn't be, I'm not nervous. I just feel yeah, really excited to be there and to be involved in it. And I can say, like, I actually am genuinely passionate about the result of the match and what the storyline of that match is. Um, yeah, I just thoroughly enjoy my time working on each of the games. So presumably there is a production team. You yes. are part of a team. You yes. are the production manager, potentially. No, I'm not. The, uh, no, there's another production manager. Right, yes. okay. <laughs> so, but you are part of a team. Yes. And that team is, again, very transitory. Um, you'd have some people you know on it and some people you don't. Yeah. Or? They'd be half and half most, you know, most games that you work on. You, start, you know some, you, you don't, don't know some. Know <laughs> and then you know. from that, your role would be to make sure that the right people got interviewed at the right time. Yeah, or? so there, so there's producers, um, you know, that have have built a you know a rundown, or for people who are following, you know, who who don't know what a rundown is, it's basically the order of which you know of the commitments that we need to get away that we're putting to air. So, you know, we might have um, an interview with a manager and a player. It's that 
those producers have put this product together. They've worked with the teams. They know what story they want to tell on TV. I mean, you don't know some elements, right? Because things change when the game starts, but they have put together a product. They hand me their rundown and I just make sure it happens for them. So my goal is to make sure that what they wanted is going to happen on the field. And I talk to who ever it is that I need to make that happen with. So whether it's the, the league um, or, or the different teams or and our crew communicating with everyone, how are we actually going to get this done? You know, we've got this, you know, for example, we have, say, a pregame interview with a manager. Okay, so at, you know, at one o'clock, we've got an interview with our manager. It's going to be happening here. I need to make sure we have, you know, a couple of lights. We need our camera there, audio, make sure we, you know, it's just one mic. We've got one presenter off camera. I'm communicating with everyone to make sure they know where they need to be so that they can get the job done for those producers in the truck. Wow, I admire you. <laughs> I sincerely admire you. Oh, thank you. Do you need to have... I mean, the fact that you say you want to work in sport or you do work in sport, I'm assuming you do love it, but do you have to have a good knowledge? I don't know, let's say you had to go off and do a snooker game or something you maybe yes. didn't have a knowledge in. Would you have to read up about the rules first or you're just there to do you know, what's asked of you and it doesn't? You are facilitating a product. So I think if you had a late call up to go work on the darts or, and you yes. didn't really know what was going on, you'd figure it out. I do think that to be good at what you do as a floor manager, you do and for everyone really on that crew you should know you know who the key players are who I'm talking football maybe just this is where I'm going with this one you know you should know who your key players are the managers um, maybe who's attending the match who might be you know a dignitary or whomever it is but you should be well researched because you're communicating with people who this is their full-time this is their world yes you know you look a bit silly if you don't know you know who they're talking about and you mentioned football there um is women's football big in Australia or is it very much a man's thing? Well, after the Women's World Cup, it's massive. Yes. So that was huge for Australia. I think really over the world, I think everyone's really gotten behind um, women's football. Uh, and I don't think it really was as big as what it is now. because so it's a very recent step forward really, then, yes, isn't it? Yeah, but everyone soaked it up. I mean, the stadiums were full. Um, I've just I've never seen an atmosphere like it. Like I actually have goosebumps thinking about really? yeah the the noise of the crowd just getting behind the women. It was incredible, and I'm so glad that um, Australia had the opportunity to host it because yes. I think they did, and New Zealand obviously, but they did such a great job, and um, the Aussies really really got behind women's sport. Yeah, so that must have been like quite a, a dream booking, really. Yeah, it's it something was. that you would really want to do and exploit. Yeah. But, um, and just thinking about that, actually, what is the we tend to say camera men, but I think actually it's just cam- camera people now. There's a lot. Is there women? Is it a good mix of males and females on productions and cameras, or is it? Is it? Are you more of a woman in a man's world? I don't know. Um, it's definitely changed. I think over the last five years, I've noticed a massive difference. I think there's a lot more women um, working, particularly in sport. You know, you do see it, it's sort of the mix is. Um, it is changing. So I think when I first started, it was predominantly men, and often I am the only female. But I have. There's a lot more women coming in now, and they're so passionate and driven and fabulous at what they do. I've met so many incredible women um, working in live TV. So no, it's definitely changing. Right. Um, but I think also when you're working in that high pressure environment, it has to be the best person for the job. 
you know so i think people deal with stress very differently and you know so um yeah it probably was you know a man a male dominated industry but women are definitely coming in and they're doing amazing at what they you know at their jobs they're incredible i think you know you've hit the nail on the head there really isn't it there's always a lot of kind of um seeing the right people in the right place where actually you just want the person that's best for that job and it doesn't matter you know what you know whether they're male female old young it just doesn't matter if they've got the right skill set for that job and they're the best person for that job that that's the 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 person that you know should be there really isn't it so i get you know i do get treated with a lot of respect from all the men that well most of the men that i work with i'm very lucky uh but we're so busy like (laughs) you don't actually i don't actually notice it no that if if i'm in london yeah you just uh you're all just working you're a well-oiled machine yes (laughs) so you just and would you say with the lifestyle tv when you got to travel the world was that something that you were like wow this is a big box ticked you know i am doing a job i'm being paid to travel the world and you know do this or was it very much well you're here for two days you're there for two days you don't really see what's going on how did it every job was different every trip was different uh it was definitely a big um, box ticked for me. It was a, it's a, it was a dream job, and it still sort of is, you know, in a way. Um, how could you not love it? You Absolutely. know, <laughs> I mean, if I were to read your CV, I'm still like confused by it all. As in, it just sounds so diverse. If I were to see your CV, what would your kind of like your your top kind of biggest achievements be in your very young life, but <laughs> I, I don't even know if you do the CVs the same in the you, in in Australia. But here we kind of have your kind of a few bullet points of your main achievements. What would you say yours are, Michaela? I would say uh, floor managing on the FIFA Women's World Cup. Oh yeah. Uh, working on the Australian Open was uh, it's been a big dream of mine so to floor manage on that is um, huge and I don't take it for granted uh, and I would also say yeah series producing um, yeah on travel shows and that was that, that was an incredible achievement and I'm very proud that I was able to do it so yeah I'm, I'm you know so in awe of you I think you are an amazing young lady where does life go from here I mean is there is there a kind of a progression route or are you there are you doing what you're doing um what what happens over the next five ten years for Michaela oh that's a big question as in you know just generally do you do yeah. you see other things that you think one day I would like to do that or are you in the very enviable position of thinking I'm right where I want to be right now and I'll worry it, about next year next year yeah I think it just changes constantly it just depends on who you meet and the conversations you have I think that uh, I definitely want to be, you know, I want to do an Olympics. That's huge for me. Yes. I want to work on Wimbledon. There's, you know, the big hit mm. items that I really want to be a part of um, and to see how they operate. So I've got, yeah, a lot of um, aspirations to still, um, yeah, work as a floor manager and um, a producer in, in those big events. And does technology play a part? Do suddenly you have, I don't know, new, uh, I don't know, things that you're listening through or, you know, new yeah. mics. Is there always things sort of coming up that you've kind of got to, you know, just suddenly you're mm. live and you've got to mm. be able to have t- new technology and things? Or is it yeah. reasonably, you know, stable and you kind of know what you're going into? Always changing. In Australia, we went from uh, having you know, all production crew on site to having what we call a hub system. So we have, um, so if we're doing a game in Perth, like an AFL game in Perth, 
all our production team actually aren't on site, they're in Melbourne. So they're remoting in and talking to us. So that does change the job completely because there's no face-to-face time. They can't physically see the stadium. They can't physically talk to the team. So everyone becomes that, you know, there's more responsibility. They can't even see it. No, and it's actually not as big here in the UK. I think they're starting to do more hubs here but um, hubbed matches, but it's big in Australia. So that was a huge change for all of us. And thank God they did do that because it came in just before COVID. (laughs) So we're all experts at it now. But, you know, here in the UK, I do know that their hub systems, from what I understand, um, from talking to some of the camera operators here, is that there's a massive delay in um, from the production crew off-site to them there on the ground. So when the director's talking, they're three seconds, five seconds delayed, which is huge. A ball can travel from one end of the pitch to the other in that time. So they're still working through that, you know, wow. those challenges. But I think it's always forever changing, you know. Studio cameras um, for news, you know, now they used to be operated, they were PED cameras and they were operated by actual people. Now it's all automated and you write codes in. So I went through that when I was in news, you know. So there's just always, yeah, it's forever changing. And I think that's why you need to be multi-skilled in this industry. I think you should be really in every industry. (laughs) I think you should learn everyone, you know, know, everyone's, you know, what they're doing and why they do it. And, you know, you should be very proactive. But in our industry, you, it's actually really good to be multi-skilled because you don't know if your role's the next role to be, you know, automated or to yes, change. Yeah, you don't know. It's like who's next? <laughs> it's like Hunger Games for technology. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking how um, different people will perceive time. When you were saying there's a huge lapse, three to five seconds, I was thinking. I'd be delighted with three to five seconds on my internet when it's trying to load something. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. In live TV, a football or yeah. you know a a you know a moving element. That's yeah. a long time, isn't it, to be going? What? What? What's happened? So yes, totally. they really have to. But I guess it is relying on the internet, is it? These hubs. Is that why there is a delay, or are they direct lines? Or you probably don't know. Actually. No, actually, I think it, it could be satellite. I'm actually not sure. No, no I don't know. It's all like wired in. So like, they have from to like, flicking yeah. it up, don't they, for things yeah. like that? I guess out of choice, but you know. Well, if a director asks you to find a player and you maybe didn't catch the name. <laughs> or you want clarification. So it's three seconds to you, you ask the questions, three seconds back, he then gets it, the, the game's totally moved on by this point, and he's like, no, number 57. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't even worry about it. But he's already framed up. It's just like, oh, God. <laughs> right, yes, yes. You know? So, yeah. So, um, but I don't, it's, you know, it's not the case for every single hubbed match here, absolutely not. But that is a technical <laughs> issue that they're dealing with. And they would be moving to hubbed matches why because it's cheaper not to have everybody on site or yeah it is i mean they could so for example um you know if there is there's seven matches of football or whatever it is or five matches of um, premier league on you know on a saturday they could all just be the same crew going back to back to back to back you know they could yes so they're not actually there in the arena yeah Yeah. they could be multitasking as well couldn't they they could Right. <laughs> is there anything I should be asking you, Michaela? Because this is so out of my knowledge base and I just felt so privileged to be able to pin you down and do this interview. Is there anything <laughs> I should be asking about your career that um, that I've missed or...? Well, probably just for anyone looking to get into the yes. industry, I would say don't give up. <laughs> 
you know, have good communication skills. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think that is huge. If you really want to get into the industry and you don't know how to do it, start just asking somebody because somebody will know somebody else and they'll connect you where, you know, I think people get very scared to ask questions, you know. So if you're looking to get into the industry, um, it's not, yeah, it's not an easy industry, I, I would say, but it definitely if you start asking questions and you're just really tenacious, you will get there. If you're a hard worker, you'll make it. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That's absolutely lovely. Well, I do sincerely thank you for your time, Michaela. Thanks, too. And um, I look forward to seeing you again one day, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Thanks, okay, Julie. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. For help with all your job searching needs, do visit one of our digital drop-in venues. On a Monday, we are open 12.30 to 3.30pm at our Poveris Centre. And on a Tuesday, we are open 10am to 2pm at our Kentwood Centre. In our sessions, we offer free use of computers for job searching, advice on creating a winning CV, plus lots of short training courses to gain skills in the digital world. This podcast has been produced by Bromley Adult Education College. For full details of how we can support your return to work, visit our website www.baec.ac.uk and search for Digital Drop. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to receive notifications of new episodes.